reading fluency, what is it, and why should we care as parents? You might have seen it on a report card or heard it thrown around at a parent-teacher conference. Today's guest is going to unpack what reading fluency is and explain why we should care as parents and caregivers and how to help support and develop readers at home. Her name is Christina Webster. She is a teacher local to the Pioneer Valley and by far one of the most thoughtful, well-planned and creative teachers I have ever met. And she loves reading. And after listening to this episode, I bet you will too. Welcome to the core. Hello and welcome to the core. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Allen, the owner operator of the community classroom a tutoring and academic coaching center in Florence, Massachusetts that serves students in Western Massachusetts and nationwide. I'm also the 2010 Florida Teacher of the Year, an education nerd, the stepmom to four teens and mama of one toddler, a runner, a lover of dad jokes, and an educator for almost 20 years. In this podcast, we will answer parent questions about education and learning. Welcome to the core. Christina, welcome to the core. Thank you for having me. So Christina, I was introducing you and telling people, uh, our listeners, how creative you were, how thoughtful Mm -hmm. and well-planned you are, and how you make things just really fun and engaging for kids. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I mean, it is a passion of mine developing those hands-on lessons that kids can really take a bite out of and get engaged with. Yeah, you have a gift with that. Um, Such a gift. So, Christina, let's get right to the core of this topic. What is fluency and why should parents and caregivers care? Well, fluency can often be confused with just how quickly a student is able to read. Like how many words per minute are they able to read orally off of a page? But the real importance with fluency is how smoothly your child is able to read whatever text is in front of them. They want to be able to read it with expression, um, with attention to punctuation, things like that, so that when they're reading, what they're reading makes sense. Yeah, because when we are reading, we kind of hear talking or here, it sounds like speech to us. So if we can practice that as we're reading, then it helps our comprehension, right? Exactly. Exactly. And there are so many ways parents can help in that area. What a good softball, Christina. So tell us the ways, show us the way. Well, one of the ways I was just thinking of, as you mentioned that was modeling. Like a lot of parents think that if they're reading the read aloud book, that They're not doing anything for their child because their child is not doing the actual work involved in the reading process, but you're modeling that fluency for them, even audio books. I mean, there are so many free resources now that there's really no excuse not to get your kid hooked into one because there are so many varieties out there that there's just so many to choose from. Great, great tip. Um, yeah, we, our kids learn so much from modeling. They're watching what we're doing. They're listening to how we're speaking. Uh, and when we're modeling those things, our kids pick it up. They're like little sponges, almost everything we say and do. Yeah. My friends and I, my (laughs) friends and I call it ear hustling when the kids (laughs) are in the room trying to get the information from the adults. But, uh, sometimes it's a good thing. 
I like that. So we're going to reframe it as ear hustling, um, but with lots of positive stuff and modeling expression and smoothness and intonation and what happens when we come to a question mark and how our voice changes. Exactly. All those things teachers love to hear when they're hearing their students read. And really help our kids become better, stronger readers and honestly, like enjoy text and reading more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like once they get over that hump, I was a third grade teacher for um, many years. And that's kind of like a magical year where once they get over the hump of the decoding and they start to get the hang of the fluency, that's when they take off with reading and they start to read for fun instead of because they have to. So talk a little bit more about this hump that you were seeing in third grade. What does that mean to me as a parent? So a younger student is probably pointing at the words on the page and uh, breaking up the sounds of the letters they're seeing. And teachers call that decoding. So if your child is spending a lot of time decoding words or trying to figure out what a sight word that can't be sounded out is, then it really detracts from the message of the story. So once they get over that decoding hump and they're able to figure out words more smoothly and they know their sight words accurately, they're able to start to read more fluently. And that's when they start to grow kind of exponentially as much as they are interested in it. That's as far as they can take it. That's so exciting. I'm speaking about that as like a former fourth grade teacher once you see kids, um, once reading becomes easier for them, once they grasp fluency and really start getting deeper and deeper into comprehension and understanding text, they really start enjoying it. And they, uh, yeah, they do grow exponentially. Yes. When, when they're excited to tell you about a book, it makes a teacher's day. It really right. does. So I know another a set of buzzwords, but they're not buzzwords. They're really important words that parents hear a lot from teachers sight words. Will you talk to us a little bit, a bit about sight words, why they're important and what we can do as parents and caregivers to help support our kids in learning their sight words? Yeah. So sight words are different depending on the grade level per se. Um, so a kindergartner is going to be learning easier words like me. And that's a word that you can't sound out. If you spelled it or sounded it out phonetically, it would be meh. Meh, but it's not meh. I hear that from my teens all the time. Meh. Oh, come <laughs> <Just> on. <kidding. laughs> yeah, but it's me. And it's the same thing with like the word the, the, eh. No, you can't sound that out. You have to remember it from sight. So you really need to get your kids practicing those sight words. And there are so many ways you can do that using games, using um, tactile tools. Um, I was working with one student the other day and we were playing a popcorn game. It's like a, another version of bang where you like pull popsicle sticks with the sight words on it. And if they read it correctly, they keep it. But if they get a bang popsicle stick, they put their sticks back and it's a back and forth game between other kids or you can do it with your child. Um, but the important thing is you don't need to come up with these things on your own. There are so many resources on the internet. If you type in sight words for my first grader, free printable, you'll find a ton of games, a ton of resources, and a ton of ideas that can take you other places. 
uh, great tidbits and pro tips. And we'll be putting some of those links that we love and we use as educators in the show notes. So you'll have access to those. Um, and as Christina, as you were mentioning, the, um, the sight words are different based on their grade. So you can look up kindergarten sight words, first grade sight words, second grade, sixth grade, uh, and you'll, you'll see those lists as a parent. Yep, definitely. And don't be confused by names like Dolch or Fry. There are different lists and there are differences, but they're so minute. Some are based on just how much they show up. Some are based on like the appropriateness of the development of the child. So any word list you can find that has to do with sight words that are grade level appropriate, it's awesome. And also you could just ask your teacher, right? Like Oh, definitely. I mean, teachers should be able to tell you, um, especially in earlier grades, which sight words your kids know and which ones they need more practice on. And I know personally as a former teacher um, in a public school that if a parent came up to me and said, I want to work on sight words with my kid at home, how do I do that? I would have been jazzed. So don't feel like if it's, it's too much of an ask for your teachers because you're really supporting your child at home with what they're learning in the classroom. And it'll make the teacher's job easier in the long run. It's totally a team effort. And anything you do at home to support what's happening in the classroom is just beneficial for our kids. Definitely. It takes a village. (laughs) Sometimes too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Christina, you were sharing uh, a specific kind of activity that you had done with one of your students that you're, you tutor. Can you share that with the parents and caregivers who are listening uh, to give them an idea of what they could do at home besides some of the other things you mentioned, like games? Yeah. So I have one client who's been working on reading just in general over the summer. And we've really gotten him to the point where he understands what he's reading, the comprehension pieces down. He is decoding words quickly, but he's checking himself quickly. So that part is kind of down, but it's the rate that he's reading is slow still. So whereas you would want your student to be reading or your child to be reading um, so many words per minute, depending on the level of the text they're reading. And I'm not even going to start getting into that, but it's so labored that it needs more work in order for him to become more fluent in understanding comprehension questions. I mean, if the poor kid can understand high level text, but it takes him forever to read it, he's never going to access those higher level questions. So um, I gave him some homework and the homework was as simple as Here's a fluency passage. It's just a page long. And what you're supposed to do is read and reread and practice. When you're in school, you're generally pre-reading a book and then you're reading with the teacher and then you're rereading it after for extra practice. And you have book boxes and you go back to the same books. That's so you can practice fluency. So he was asked to read it once to mom, once to dad, once to whatever sibling he chose. And then I was the last check at the end of the week. He would read it to me for a fourth and final check. 
And I would tell him if he passed or not. And of course he's going to pass because he's been practicing and he works I was gonna really ask. hard. I'm like, and how did he do? <laughs> he, he does great. He always does. So Aww. I'm looking forward to seeing him continue to grow. And like I said, with, especially to him, I was like, it's not the most thrilling thing to read the same passage over and over again. But if you can switch up the audience, at least it makes it feel a little more fresh and you're still getting the same amount of practice in. And it's like, I think about so many things in life that if you want to get good at it, you have to keep practicing. Actually, it's almost like everything in life, right? Like yeah. I was a tennis player growing up. So I wanted to work on my backspin with my, my forehand, but uh-huh. like practice and you practice and you practice doing the same thing over and over and over again. And you put in the minutes and you put in the hours and then you get better at that one thing, whether it's your golf swing or pitching a baseball or creating the perfect chocolate chip cookie. The more times you, right, the more times you do it, the better you're going to get at it. Uh, And the same thing with reading and fluency. Yeah. And you know what the thing is, they can notice when they're getting better especially if you point it out to them. So make sure you're doing that. Like, Hey, look at where you started and look at how far you've come. And I think it's also important. Let them record themselves on your phone, on your little recording app and let them listen to themselves and see if they can do a better job of impressing not just you, but themselves. They should want to try their best for themselves, not just for an adult who's pushing other expectations on them. Right. We want them to be motivated to do better for themselves. We want them to be the ones who uh, notice the changes and the growth and the gains. Uh, that's everything. When kids can see that aha moment themselves yeah, and actually like point it out to themselves, uh, it's priceless. That intrinsic motivation is so important to just the overall growth. And I used to always tell my kids, my students, just try your best. And it applies to everything in life. And I really believe that if you do apply that, it does transfer to so many other things that you encounter on a day-to-day basis. Totally. Um, Yeah. That's a good life lesson, Christina. (laughs) Dropping the life lesson and the knowledge bomb on us. Uh, Little life hacks. I know one thing my fourth graders used to love was choosing a favorite song. Appropriate song. Appropriate lyrics, parent approved, but then using that for their fluency practice. So printing out a copy of their favorite song and then practicing it like Monday, recording it, listening to themselves, um, figuring out their words per minute, and then practicing it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then on Friday, they would record themselves, figure out their word per minute, and then see their growth and how they changed with their favorite song over the week. Uh, and it was, cool that's so it. awesome. I would have normally done it with like poetry because it has like a beat, but you took it a step further <laughs> music with an actual beat. That's so engaging. Well, I think that songs are, po- well, songs are poetry, right? Exactly. Um, so that was just like a perfect way to segue to a more engaging lesson. And I wish I could take credit for that, but I'm pretty sure it was my kids who came up with that idea. Um, another good like lesson for grownups. Sometimes we just need to zip our mouths and listen to our kids, uh, maybe a lot of time, because um, yeah. they have the most amazing and great ideas. Or like, feel free to collaborate with your kids. I mean, they may not have the perfect idea, but if you work on it together, I feel like there's a lot of flexibility in that. 
And parents and kids can create great things from those collaborations. Totally. Um, Another great quote. So to wrap up, Christina, where can parents and caregivers go for more information regarding fluency? There are a lot of teacher resources I can think of, like Teachers Pay Teachers is an online website where you can search fluency. But my tip for parents would be um, to do the modeling, do the audio books. If you want passages for them to practice reading, you can do Google searches for those and find something that's appropriate. It's just start off easy and work your way up so that you can build your kiddos confidence. You don't want them to feel defeated on the first round. You know, if it's hard, (laughs) yeah, if it's hard, just encourage them to, again, try their best and they can work through it. But I encourage parents to start off small and work their way up. They shouldn't have to read a chapter a night necessarily. If they're practicing fluency with you, and they're reading a page to themselves, and then they read it out loud to you, that's a great place to start. Oh, that's an amazing pointer. Uh, I was just thinking about um, the lyrics to Hamilton. What a great place to start with like my ninth grader. There you Um, go. And one thing I think about too, as a parent, um, taking off my educator hat and putting on my parent hat with my two-year-old, how we model reading to her now is how she retells the stories and that's her reading, right? Like she can go through page by page and tell you exactly what's happening, but she's reading things like, I just swallowed a watermelon seed. Like she's reading it (laughs) and practicing her fluency. So it's never too young to start modeling. No, that expression is great. Especially when they're switching up characters, that's something a little one can pick up on so easily. Like if there's an evil character, like the big bad wolf, He's obviously going to talk a little bit differently than the scared little pigs. I love it. What a great example. (laughs) Uh, And I'll try to get a video of my two-year-old reading her favorite, her new favorite book, The Watermelon Seed. So you can hear how she's practicing her expression, her intonation, uh, and working on those, like developing some early skills that will translate into uh, better fluency when she's older. Exactly. Um, Well, Christina, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. Uh, If people want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? Um, I am available through the community classroom. There you go. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And so you could email uh, Megan at the community classroom and we'll put you in touch with Christina. Thank you so much. Thanks, Christina. Bye. Bye. Bye.